was just thinking, actually, as I said to Christo, fancy sharing a room with me tonight. You know, it doesn't mean anything. Because it, it is ludicrous, isn't it? In the year 2010, you open up the papers, and because two people happen to share a room, that immediately sparks rumours of being gay. In which case, I should imagine, every single person I've ever met in my life must be gay. Because it's just stupid, isn't it? You can share rooms with people without people thinking that. To quote Mary Poppins, I never answer anything. I never explain myself. And that's the worst thing that he probably could have done. Because now it's not going to go away. Just because some silly blogger writes about it and starts sort of starting rumours. To be honest, if he hadn't said anything, people would have forgotten about it and concentrated on who the stig is. And there's a career that's finished very quickly. Let me just quickly sign in so that her next door can sort of... uh, Start going through stuff this morning, because it's Thursday. It's LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. Trust you well. Lovely day yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, by the way, the uh, hairdressing salon's still not open in Twickenham. Uh, it's going to be Monday. It's gone on longer than a career, I think, but it's going to be Monday now, which is... Uh, the, the best bit in it so far is the picture. My idea, Michael executed it. I bought him a clock yesterday to go on the wall. It's a big clock. In fact, it is about the biggest clock you're ever going to see in a salon anywhere. Uh, apart from that, it's been very nice indeed. We're sorting out some new in-conversations, which will be uh, recorded very soon, over the next few weeks. And, uh, and what else today? Oh, there's some all sorts of bits. All sorts of bits. Including just how revolting some Cliff Richard fans can be. I'm sure they can't be fans. Perhaps they're just the mentally ill or something like that. Some of the stuff they write is most peculiar. They're just not with it at all, are they? Uh, The Express today is talking about uh, Prince Harry, all talking about uh, William Hague. I mean, it is absolutely ludicrous in this day and age that a government minister who has a driver who is 25... We don't know anything about him, but because some blogger puts down, you know, uh, should he be sharing a room with William Hague? I don't think William Hague even thought about it. Somebody told me ages ago that he's, he's one of these people that he, he gets close to people. I don't think he... Why would you ever think anything? Not that there's anything that matter even if he was gay, which he isn't, because he said, you know, my wife's had miscarriages. He's now been forced to come out and write about his wife's miscarriages and the fact they've been trying for a family and all this kind of thing. Now, to be honest with you... I don't want to point out the patent, the obvious, but I do know of married men who are gay. I think it makes them bisexual. I don't think you can actually be gay. No. But, but you know, why does not not say anything at all? Nobody's interested. I couldn't care less whether he, you know, whether he sleeps with his driver in the room. I would have thought it made perfect sense, actually, to save money. You know, if you're looking after saving money, you'd be sort of sharing a room. They do big... They're not sharing a bed. But they've made it sound a bit sleazy and dirty now and a bit tacky. And, uh, and it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit sad, really. I think it's a bit sad and a bit tragic that William Hague has to come out and say about his wife's miscarriage. And, uh, and then the driver has to quit. So the driver's, uh, the driver's quit. And I think, I think that's a bit sad as well. Uh, Tony Blair's memoirs rumble on. And when I say rumble on, they've uh, now had a chance to go through the book and they've had a chance to uh, get all the little bits and pieces out. And uh, I mean, it sounds quite interesting. I'm still not going to be buying it, but it sounds quite interesting. And also Ben Collins has been unmasked yesterday as the Stig. Who cares? Who cares? I couldn't give a flying forex about who's... I mean, it makes no difference to me. What, What annoyed me was that the BBC wasted £100,000 of your money, your money and my money, taking this rubbish to court because somebody wanted to do a book. Who cares? Who cares who's the stig? Who cares? It's just... And they go, oh, it, it was our character. He belongs to the licence 
taxpayers. Good. Well, can you can you try and explain to me why it takes three blooming presenters on the BBC to present a NAF car show? Why don't you save some money, Beeb, and get rid of them? Why don't you just have one person do it on a rotation? Do you know how much they earn from, from presenting Top Gear? One and a half million quid each a year. What a waste of bloody money. That's the BBC wasting your money again. Wasting your money. And then they go, oh, you know, we want to pursue this because we think it's for the integrity of the programme. What a load of old cobblers. What a load of old rubbish. Some bloke wears a white crash helmet. They call him the Stig. I couldn't care less if it was my Auntie Enid. I mean, to be honest with you, she could probably do better. Who cares? And he's written a book about it. Oh, how riveting and exciting. Oh, dear. It's like I'm expecting one of my shoes to write a book any day now. My life on Steve Allen's feet. About as exciting, I'm afraid. And uh, James Wales says, did you get the sprouts? I did, actually. The one thing we commented on the sprouts, James, was how much lighter than normal sprouts they were. They had to look very hard. They're not easy, are they? You really wait a little bit later. This is the first crop of the season. They were very nice, actually. I did have them the other night. And I did them with a herb and garlic butter and, uh, and some mushrooms. And then I had chicken Kiev with them as well. Because I like chicken Kiev. So that, that was quite nice. Today I'm taking Christo for breakfast. He thinks I'm paying. <laughs> I'm going to do my usual bit at the end. Run like hell. <laughs> see you in a minute. Bye. Just go to the toilet. Whoosh, gone. He'll be sitting there three hours later. I think Steve's coming back. Is he coming back? I don't know. Um, James also does sleep with his driver on a regular basis. How is Muriel? Is she OK? She's still fine, is she? <laughs> I mean, just, isn't it the stupidest thing ever? Because he's going up to Sky to do the newspapers. So it's going to be Blair still there. It's going to be... Um, Stig, uh, he was an SAS hero. I couldn't care less. Everybody's got a, a, got a record of doing something, you know. I've swept streets. You know, I've done all sorts of things. Catherine Zeta-Jones has lashed out at doctors for failing to spot Michael Douglas's throat cancer sooner. You'd have thought, actually, with sort of private medical care that they would spot things like this. But they don't always. It's like when you take your car in, you have to tell them what's the matter with it. They're not going to spend all their time going through the blooming thing. Makes it so much easier. And uh, Kelvin McKenzie today, ageing geriatric, uh, talks today about the very sad news that the manager of his local cinema has died, which is tragic. The funeral, he says, will be held next Monday at 3.20, 5.45 and 8.10. <laughs> it's an old gag, but, of course, that's what Kelvin McKenzie is, very ancient and old. What if he dies his chest hair? Because after we mentioned that the papers were suggesting that Cliff dies his chest hair the other day, well, the Cliff Richard fans were up in arms. The Blue Rinse Brigade were out straight away. Oh, my goodness me. They were absolutely mortified that somebody would dare to mention the deified Cliff Richard or as we prefer to call him, Harry Webb. OK, far more interesting. And so uh, so somebody sent me something in saying, oh, they've been talking about it on the forums. Well, to be honest with you, they're as barking on that forum as anything I've ever seen. Some of them are so vile and rude, I'm surprised that Cliff Richard even allows them on there because they're quite clearly not, not genuine Cliff Richard fans at all. They are absolutely awful. I mean, some of them even wrote about me. Even wrote about me. Uh, somebody wrote here... Uh, some of them use funny names. We'll come round to their funny names in a minute. One of them says, da-da-da, um, um, I'd like to see Sir Cliff become the first rock star lord. He has so much to offer the house. He was a pioneer in disability rights. Yes, we accept topless women, but that says a lot. And if you have a Christian faith, topless is not modest, so Christian and topless do not go together. This is what they're writing on the Cliff Richard forums. I mean, they're as barking as anything, aren't they? They really are. One here 
says, uh, I'm a devout Christian, I trust my Lord, but I'm a Christian, not a Puritan. I've sunbathed topless. Because they were talking about Cliff Richard going topless. And uh, somebody says, it always amazes me how hard some people tried to humble Cliff. Uh, the more they slander, the less it works. I love the pictures very much, and I love the blue wigs idea. Count on me, ladies, writes somebody called Nostalgia76. Uh, another one says here, I don't see a negative side. I think there's a big difference between a man being topless and a woman. Cliff is all is already renowned as a performance. And uh, then another one here, he's made music for 52 years. I don't think he has, actually. <laughs> I think he's made it for about 12. The rest of it was just recycling the Lord's Prayer a few times. His records and his, uh, his record and his records are proof to his talent, and his calendars are icing on the cake. And somebody says here, this is uh, Ellen, who says, I heard Steve Allen on the radio make a point worth considering. Cliff is, a, Cliff is a craftsman, musician, singer and actor. If we were to imagine a woman taking her top off for a calendar, would we question the motives? Yes, and rightly so. You see? But then it goes on. Blue rinse, a patronising way to talk about older people as well, writes Louise. And um, she says, I love it because I'm 31 because they were talking about the Blue Rinse Brigade. But if you go to a Cliff concert, you know, there might be a few young people there, but 99% of them are the Blue Rinse Brigade. You know, in fact, it, just roughly the same as the Liberace audience. You know, there's a lot of people wearing twin set and pearls and a lot of sequins. You know, they might love Cliff Richard. It's got nothing to do with it. Unfortunately, you know, the newspapers are speculating. Uh, Louise says, I think if you say a photo of somebody is airbrushed and it wasn't, that's a backhanded compliment. My mum once looked at an official Cliff calendar and decided the photos were obviously taken 20 years ago. I knew for certain this was incorrect. The problem is Cliff is just ridiculously gorgeous. A little bit of a worry on that one, I think. <laughs> and uh, people say here, we know the difference between airbrush Cliff and not airbrush Cliff. We even know Botox and no Botox. They say here that, I love this one. This is from Seeley. The swim trunks photo was not airbrushed. Now, he did have a bit of hair removal around the navel and a bit of grooming. This is scary. A bit of grooming around the navel. Oh, dear. It says here, I don't think women have used blue rinse in about 40 years, so that certainly dates Steve, doesn't it? You see, unfortunately, poor old Seeley, quite clearly barking bloody mad. Uh, I didn't call them the Blue Rinse Brigade. The papers called them the Blue Rinse Brigade. And unfortunately, you can still get blue rinse. They do still do it. Unfortunately, it says here, Steve Allen clearly hasn't bothered to look at any of the concerts on DVD to see Cliff's fans. They don't really show them on his concerts, do they? They show a few people on oxygen cylinders sitting in there. <laughs> sitting at the front. <laughs> uh, lovely one here. And, and then John P., whose who's posting level is bronze, so he's way down the list, says, I wouldn't get too wound up about Steve Allen. After all, he's no spring chicken himself, and his show is all about knocking celebs and shops. Actually, sometimes his rather camp humour is amusing, but mainly it falls flat. And this is apparently a Cliff Richard fan. <laughs> what a girl's blouse, John, you must be. He says, in fairness, his blog today is complimentary about Cliff's appearance. In uh, contrast to his own, shall we say, normal physique. There you go. I think you'll find John, and I bet you're a bit of a girly, uh, we've we actually had more hits. And listen, the more you talk about me, the more I love it. I know it, it'll wind you up a little bit more, but I'm absolutely loving it, I'm afraid. Uh, and Janet says, uh, as much as you run him down, I think you have a soft spot for him. I've never run him down, never driven anywhere near him, dear. Not that kind of talk on the programme. And she says, you'd be surprised at how good he really is. Janet, how old do you think I am, lovey? How old do you think I am? 
God, say, you'd be surprised how good he is. Darling, I was around before you were even thought of. It's very funny. She says, by the way, if his chest hair is waxed and dyed, I wonder who does it. I would volunteer. I don't think he'd let you, actually. <laughs> I don't think he'd let you. And if he does it, he probably does it himself. I don't think he'd want you anywhere near him. 16 past five. <laughs> These are the headlines. Ahead of new rounds of talks, President Obama has urged Middle East leaders not to let the chance of a peace deal slip away. Face-to-face talks get underway later, the first in nearly two years. London's most high-profile women's prison is difficult to run safely, and almost six in ten inmates feel unsafe at some point. A report into Holloway Prison has found threats from other prisoners are common, and a lot of the problems it faces are down to its design. Talks will take place later to try and avert a series of strikes on the London Underground. Tube managers will meet leaders of two unions at the conciliation service ACAS in an effort to resolve a row about plans to cut 800 jobs. Check on the roads for you. Get you there nice and safely. Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Thank you to the Cliff Richard Forum. I mean, you know, there's a couple of barking mad people on there. But uh, it says here, I was listening to Steve Allen. This is Wired for Sound 66. That's, that's a reference to a Cliff Richard song. Da, 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 da. It's a, but the, the course, I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I'm going to come around to a little bit in a minute, which, I, which actually is quite, quite funny. Uh, it says, uh, I was listening to Steve Allen on LBC this morning. You see, we've obviously got exactly the same fans. Exactly the same fans. Yeah, I've got Cliff fans. I've got Cliff fans, except John, who's a little bit camp, but there you go, it doesn't matter. Yeah, John, yeah, that's strange, yeah. But anyway, he says, um, and he was talking about Cliff and how all his fans were of a certain age and described us as the Blue Rinse Brigade. Yeah, well, some of you do, they, uh, there's a lot of dying going on, let me tell you. You know, otherwise it'd be just an, an audience of grey hair, so there's a lot of dying going on. It says, uh, and all the fans were described as the Blue Rinse Brigade. At 44, I hardly feel this is fair, and my mum certainly couldn't be described as this either. What a small-minded, ill-informed and petty little man he is. Oh, wired for sound, your little girl's blouse, aren't you, dear? And this is somebody who writes for the Cliff Richard fan. Says, I'm furious and I'll be contacting him to set the record straight via the LBC website. (laughs) He was making disparaging comments about the pictures from the calendar and how it was airbrushed. Unfortunately, poor wired for sound has only ever posted once. Quite clearly a bit barking mad. Um... It was all taken from the newspaper, I'm afraid, because the papers did it, and they went through everything. So, you know, if, of course, as you say, you're 44, I suspect mentally you're probably about 70. But uh, 44 will do for it. Anyway, a couple of pieces in the paper today, actually on the subject, strangely enough, of Cliff Richard. And if I can find the blooming thing, I'll have to bring it to you. But they're all dominated uh, either by um, the cricket, and they've been to the village where the so-called Fix star grew up. Um, Collie Nolan, apparently, is putting the fizz back into uh, this morning. Ugh, 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 I'm afraid. Can't think of anything worse. Uh, she's going to be part of uh, this morning, and um, they say here, nine years after she was dropped from the programme, because she was, well, to put it, uh, put it mild, yes, of course you can have a penguin. You can have, a, you can have a, a Toblerone if you want. Do you want a Toblerone? Yeah, exactly. At least you're asking and not sticking a note in there. Yeah, please. help yourself to a penguin. There's, there's, there's the Satsumas in there, Toblerones, uh, or, or Penguins. So you can have whatever you like, really. Just leave the money on the counter, OK? You know, that's OK. No, I don't. Seriously. I'm generous to a fault, honestly. You can even have my Cliff Richard collection. You can have that up there. And I don't say that to everybody. You can have all my Cliff Richard album, OK? So just take it and enjoy it. So here is uh, Colleen. 
Mirror columnist Colleen, who starred in Dancing on Ice. She was rubbish, wasn't she? She really is. How to make a very little piece of talent stretch out to an even smaller piece of talent. I wish I could find this blooming thing. There's um, a bogus tramp. Here's my advice this morning. In London, don't give any money to beggars. OK? Anybody sitting on the ground... Got some money. You know, the ones who can't speak. Got spare change? Of course I've not got any spare change. What do you think? I'm a bank. I work for my money. I'm not like you, sitting on your arse down there. Get up and get and do a job. I can't do anything. Well, there's Polish people out there sweeping the streets. You think they really enjoy sweeping the streets? Do you think people enjoy, you know, doing the, all the sort of the menial jobs, and you're just sitting on your arse, on the pavement, holding your hand out, going, we've got, we've got some money. No, I haven't got any money, and learn how to speak properly. Here's one in the paper today. Daniel Terry. Daniel Terry reckons he can make 40 to 50 quid on an average day. On a Saturday and Sunday... £100. In cash. Unfortunately for this old crook, he's also on benefits, housing benefit, every kind of benefit. He rakes in, without doing a stroke of work, twenty-three grand a year. Well, sod this for soldiers. I'm going to go and sit on the pavement outside. Have you got, it used to be Steve Allen. Have you got any money? Yeah, do you want to give my, my friend here's Cliff? Cliff, do you want uh, to have some money as well? Can we both have some money? I, I do... Some fly away, Peter, fly away, Paul. Before the silvery rain, I'm a bachelor boy. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? I like that, but I'm going to do that. Okay. We used to have a little thing in the studio. We used to push a buzzer and go, and, the f- and then people go, oh, my God. I'm sure he said something. He says, um, he says I'm, I'm not an aggressive beggar like the ones clutching a bottle of cider. I haven't seen people clutching bottles of cider for ages. Have you seen the price of cider? It's absolutely ludicrous. Ludicrous. But anyway, here he is. A teacher earns 21 grand, a nurse 20,000, librarian 19. Seems vastly overpaid to be a librarian. Hello, would you like that book again? Thank you. Would you like this book out? Hello, would you like that one out? And that's it. And for that, they're giving 19 grand a year. A soldier, 13 grand. Hello, would you like to die? 13,000. Fantastic, isn't it? And a beggar, a scrounging old git like this, makes 23 grand a year. Up in court again. And what was he fined? £100. Because that's the maximum fine for begging. Can I also drag into court all the chuggers as well? Hello, have you got two minutes? No, I bloody well haven't. Go away. I hate these beggars and these scroungers. I feel very sorry for, uh, for Jean Gorsden today. She's 75. She lives on an, uh, an estate. It's entry phone system. She came back the other day and uh, there's a lout urinating on the staircase. So she goes, you're disgusting. She said, you're filth, you filthy swine. So they urinate over her. Now, you know, <laughs> if I'd been her and I'd been thinking, right, I'd have gone up there and broken their blasted legs. Who do you think you are, you piece of pond life? It was like I told you the other... Was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. I walk into the car park at home and there's a woman there because I'd seen her walking in with her kids and her son, who's about eight, is urinating up against our wheelie bins. And I went... Don't you think that's disgusting? She went, there's nowhere else for him to go. I thought, you stupid woman. Honestly. Is Big Brother destroying Chantel? Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Couldn't be more worried about it, I'm afraid, if I tried. I really couldn't. Uh, They say here she's charmed the nation. No, she hasn't. She's a total non-entity. Absolutely total. No talent. No nothing. The fake romance... I'm afraid with stupid boy Preston, the man who's so far up his own rear end, he seriously believes he's got some sort of talent. And Chantel, her, her stepfather, has said Big Brother's ruined her. So she's gone back in again. 
What are you, the thickest family under the sun, or what? I'm sorry, Big Brother's ruined Chantel. No, darling, she was ruined before she went in there. What are you doing, darling? I'm living the dream. Wrote a naff, stupid book, which was read out by Simon Amstel on the television. Preston throws a queenie fit, walks out. And uh, ever since then, Preston's career disappeared off the scale. In fact, actually, we could have all of us out. We've got, got some money for me, Cliff and Preston. It's down here as well. You can sing one of his, one of his hit from The Ordinary Boy. Brian Reed writes in the paper today, I love how Cliff Richards' mates are rushing to rubbish suggestions that the photos used for his 2011 calendar have been airbrushed. Of course they haven't been touched up. He's just been the recipient of a full-body transplant from a deceased 23-year-old California tennis player had his dyed hair, bleached teeth and Botox face stuck on top. Cliff has never deceived his fans or his god about anything in his life. So you can't accuse him of touching anything up. Not even the male companion he's lived with for ten years. Neither can we say the pictures are evident he's vain. Tragic man who still believes he's a cutting-edge pop star. As for the belief that he's a deluded saddo who's fallen for his Peter Pan publicity and believes he will live forever, I say this. I agree it's fate-tempting and arrogant for a winter fuel allowance recipient to release a calendar for their 71st year when he could easily snuff it between Boxing Night and Christmas. But if that happens to Cliff... He'll just get a body and head transplant for the 2012 edition. <laughs> I have to say, if you can't laugh at yourself, Cliff, you're probably missing the joke of the century. And, uh, oh, here they are, the two orange blobs. This is the Daybreak presenters. This is Christine, how are you, Bleakley? And uh, Adrian Dullsville-Childs there, which is uh, very interesting. Um, also in the papers today. Oh, this is good, isn't it? I often worried about people who did the post. And uh, this is Sheila Newcombe. Sheila, Sheila Newcomb used to be a postmistress, and um, she's 54, but uh, she, she's decided that she doesn't want to be a postmistress anymore. She just doesn't want to be a postmistress. She wants to do something completely off the scale. So she's become a prostitute, and she's decided to knock eight years off her life. I mean, she is haggard. I mean, you know, in terms of prostitutes, she's haggard. And uh, she says, when, when the post office closed, I, was, I had debts and a mortgage to pay. Now... Anybody listening at the moment who has debts and a mortgage to pay, let me advise you to turn to prostitution, because it's the way forward they all do it. Have you noticed that? I was in debt. Couldn't you just go to debt management? No, I couldn't, actually. I prefer to sleep with a load of strangers. Oh, right, OK, so that, that, that's the kind of thing, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't bother going to the bank and discuss it? No, 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 I thought straight away I'd be a prostitute. OK, right. And did you feel better now? I love it. I spent a lot of time lying on my back staring at the ceiling. Thank you. It's, it's really educational. Right, OK. And uh, so you've lied about your age. <sighs> don't think men wanted to sleep with somebody very old. Oh, right, so you've knocked how many years off? Eight. Knocked eight years off my, my life. And, uh, and I charge uh, £50 for 30 minutes. Seems very reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, to be honest with you, 50 quid for 30 minutes. I mean, it's not bad money. So... I mean, if, if I, and t- to be honest with you, I can't give it away, let alone charge for it. So, I mean, it, it is one of those desperate times that I am the person in the kitchen at parties with a tray of olivons. I could be standing, I could stand stark naked in clubs and by the end of the night still be standing stark naked in a club by myself with a tray of... Hello? Hello? No, nobody's hearing me. I mean, because I'm quite grateful that I'm not attractive to people. You know, different on the radio, I'm terribly attractive, but I'm not, I'm not physically attractive. I always tell people as well I'm rubbish in bed. I always tell them that. I always say to them, it's no good, really. I mean, I'm just absolutely awful. I tell them that, so when it finally happens, after about 15 years wooing, I turn it. 
Don't eat all the chocolate because you won't eat your breakfast. It's like being Christmas time, isn't it? You know, you sit there, four bits of chocolate. I mean, and those and those Toblerones are the big giant size ones. At Christmas time, you know, you start opening your sweets in the morning, and your mum goes, "You won't eat your lunch, will you?" And you go, "Yes, I will." And you know damn well you won't, because chocolate kind of fills you up. Certainly filling you up. Even from here, I can say it's filling you up. You will eat your breakfast, okay? Well, luckily it's going to be a buffet breakfast. It's uh, it's everything, so you can have. You can. Oh, you want smoked salmon? I don't think they've got smoked salmon at the Strand Palace. I'm not sure if they have. Oh, do they? Oh, you reckon? Oh, they do do smokes. Oh, well, there you go then. Oh, lucky old yeah. Well, that'll be nice. No, we're not going to the dodgy place on the corner. No, no, we're going to the Strand. We're not going. Yeah, we go there. We don't want to go to the dodgy place on the corner. I don't think so. No, I'm taking you somewhere special for breakfast today. Also, as far away from here as possible. <laughs> In case the producer, you see, you see, the trouble is, it's around the corner. She might turn up, tottering along on those heels of hers. You can always, you can hear her from the street next door. You get click, click, because click, she, she's got a, she's got a, she falters a bit. Click, click, stumble, click, 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 stumble, and then you can hear it. You go, she's exactly because she's had a drink. That's why. Yeah. She's the only one I know who brings in a small hip flush. She goes, it's for medicinal purposes, as she sort of tips it back first thing in the morning. So by the time we get to the lift, she's got no idea. I mean, three times she stood in a studio and pushed the button, which is for the lights up and down, thinking it's a lift. She's got no idea where she is. She stands there, and I, I, I go through the charade with her. I, I stand next to her in the, in the studio, and she goes, should we go to the third floor? And I'm thinking, you're pushing the light switch. You're pushing the light switch. And that's what she does. Uh, Christopher... Says, did you know that the beat goes on? Hosted by Dave Berry, is uh, is starting very soon. They're offering tickets for it actually, and uh, they're free. It's uh, produced by um, the producers of Antendex. Push the button, and it's two teams of three music-loving friends pitted against each other in a series of all singing, all dancing rounds. A good idea, I like that idea as well. And uh, they're recording at Riverside in Hammersmith from Sunday through through Tuesday. You've got to be sixteen. Oh, that's me out straight away. I can't go to that. It's a Dave Berry show. You've got to be 16. Ooh, lovely. So, I know. She's done a sex tape. I know. It's tragic, isn't it, really? Tragic. Chantelle. Big brother ruined my Chantelle. Unfortunately, it's by her stepfather. It's not actually your Chantelle, is it, really, dear? Unfortunately, you know, perhaps she doesn't... Perhaps you should have said to her, Darling, what are you doing going on Big Brother again? I ain't got no money. Oh, right. You want to go back on it again? Yeah. Should we sell stories about you? Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah. That's... Oh, yes. Well, it's no good telling me about it. I haven't forgotten about it. Yes, OK. Chris in Preston. Lovely. Hazel says, um, no reason why you should remember me, but I texted a couple of weeks ago because I broke my... Is it your leg or your... I don't know. You've you've typed a B here and it's fairly near the L. And uh, it was a scary day as they were going to operate. So I kept laughing in hospital. They normally have your section for stuff like that. Best show on radio. There you go. Sarah says, I once worked with an ardent Cliff fan. Her whole world revolved around him. She was the saddest person I ever met. Oh, no, I don't... I mean, listen, I've got all the Cliff films. In fact, we were talking about this with Ian Dale the other day. That's the trouble with some people. You know, when they write on these forums, they, they haven't listened properly. They either get it third or fourth hand, and they've got no idea. And um, so what happens is, I've got all the Cliff films. I mentioned it to Ian Dale about my fate. He'd never seen any of them. I thought, I must be the only one who's seen them. I was playing Cliff, you know, songs before some of these people were even born. Uh, did you see uh, poor old Hale Porter's recreation of her image on the Houses of Parliament, says Claire? Ooh, I can't bear Gail Porter. Cannot bear her. I mean, a friend of mine used to work with her on a television programme. He said when the camera weren't, wasn't on her, she'd sit in a chair in the corner with a thumb in the mouth. You know, so, oh dear, most peculiar. Uh, Freya in Crawley says, I've been laughing all the way to work. 
not an executioner, are you, or a prison officer or something like that? That could be quite uh, interesting. Uh, loads more of your texts and emails to come. The weather mainly dry with some good sunny spells and a little patchy cloud. And, uh, oh, the winner, very quickly, just before we talk to uh, Nathan, the Whippler, the, the Whippler, the... <laughs> The winner of the Apple iPad. I only thought of Whipplers because Colleen Rooney. <laughs> Otherwise known as that chipmunk on the television. I mean, God knows why they ever use her for anything. But she's filming an advert today. It's my first advert. It's like a bit of everything in your life, isn't it, dear? First this, first that, first everything else. So the winner of the Apple iPad on Sunday was Madeleine from London. Or oh, Madeleine. And the winning bid was 30 pence. What did I say to you? These things go low. 30 pence for the Apple iPad. And she made that bid at 09.57. She worked it out very carefully and decided that 30 pence was the bid. So, well done, Madeleine. You've got yourself an Apple iPad. 30 pence. Crikey. Ludicrous, isn't it? Uh, I must just... Just before we talk to, uh, to Nathan very briefly, I, I was sent in and I, I couldn't be happier. Although I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether... That, in fact, they, they won't sell to me direct. This is from uh, Sandy who's in Northolt, and she sent me in the Premier catalogue. Premier do all the Christmas stuff. And she says, so th- this is what you're going to be seeing in the garden centres. And it's got, it's got everything. It's got absolutely everything in here. This is like the Christmas compendium. My friend David, who sadly isn't alive anymore, uh, gave me his years and years ago, and I lovingly looked at it. I, keep, I kept it in the bathroom, and I used to look at it and think, oh, I want all this stuff. And it's got everything. I mean, absolutely everything to do with Christmas. I mean, this is just, this is just Christmas heaven for me. And this, this book has got something like 300 pages, and every page has got Christmas stuff in it, from lights to toys to trees to mobile to everything. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this. I feel I should contact them, because they're, they're based in uh, Ricelip in Middlesex. I feel like writing to the boss there, Sandy, and saying... Can I, can I come down and just buy some of your things? I'm only, I'm only buying myself. You know, I'm not at shop. I'm not going to be tying, buying tons of stuff. But I'd like to buy some of the... And, and they, they might say, well, as, as you're Steve Allen, we might let you do that, because they're only down the road from me. And I could get it in the boot of the car just if I clear the boot of the car. I could get Nathan Morley in the boot of my car, seeing as we had some people wow. who went to Cyprus last week and sent me a picture of you on television. So, sorry? Some people saw you on television, and they took a picture of, of the television with you on it, and they sent it in to me. Oh, my goodness me. How, uh, how, how straight... Um, yeah. Yes. yes. That's lovely, aren't I? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was certainly... I mean, I, I passed it on to the police straight away because you looked exactly like a photo fit of a bank robber we were looking for. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, you see, when you say things like, suddenly I've got a kind of unscheduled photograph of you or one you didn't know about, obviously <laughs> I get a bit jumpy and nervous, <laughs> as just happened. It was so funny uh, seeing you... Well, I mean, I've seen pictures of you on the television anyway, but it, it's just so funny when somebody sends it in and they said we were on holiday and we took a picture of Nathan on the television. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. It's cool, nice to know I had a viewer anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you have many fan, many fan... <laughs> Yeah? Yeah, you have. Yeah. Where? <laughs> well, me. <laughs> I'm one of your fans. <laughs> Fan of Nathan uh, Morley. Well, yeah. Uh, that's, well, well, you've cheered me up no end. Oh, well, that's... So how are you? You're sounding very chirpy this morning. Well, I caught very... a little bit of you. I thought, well, he sounds in a good mood, and it must be. And then I just heard you mentioning, talking about Christmas, only 115 days. Yeah. But the, the, Christmas. Well, the, apart from Christmas being exciting, the other thing exciting is they're going to raise the Titanic. No way. Have you heard this? No, I saw the pictures last night. Yeah. 
um, of them, the, the new picture saying that it was in good condition. Yes. But the thing will just fall apart. Well, they're going to raise it digitally. Oh, digitally. Digitally, they're going to raise it. I mean, we have been told that, and I, I said two weeks ago, you're going to be hearing about the Titanic again very shortly. There's a mission to go down again. And uh, bearing in mind that all the pictures you've ever seen of it, it's illuminated with huge floodlights because it's pitch black. It's two miles down. Yeah, so, sadly, yeah. the electricity company never, ever put lighting down at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> so you have to take your own torch. Now, I've got an LED one, so I reckon I could illuminate the whole and thing. a key ring. <laughs> it's a key ring, yes. <laughs> it's in blue light. makes it look a bit eerie. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it, it wasn't 100 years ago, I know, but I just find it fascinating that it's sitting there at the bottom of the ocean, the Titanic, the, fi- the, 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 the ship, they said, would never sink. Well, you know, it's a strange story, and it's strange how that you get, you get so many private companies allowed to... Um, I know it's owned by Bob Ballard's company, isn't it, The yes, Wreck? Yes, yeah. And uh, but you do have other divers coming and, and taking um, bits and bobs off the ship. And I mean, I know I remember reading a few years ago, lots of mm. you know, lots of people had stolen. You're stuff not from supposed the ship, to be taking it? anything off it because it's. I think it's officially classed as a grave, isn't it? It is. It is exactly. It is classed as a grave. And and the, this is the problem, though, because some people uh, there there is a school of thought saying, well, look, it's uh, nearly. 90 years or 100 years, does that really count anymore? Mm. Well, what kind of attitude? Of course it counts. But why are there no bones down there? I know know that a thousand-odd people lost their lives down there, but why are there no bones? You know, even Ah, if you dig up in cemeteries, there'd be a lot of people who would have been trapped in third class. I mean, is that all buried in the mud and there are people's bodies in there? Well, no, the bones would have probably now have... Because you can still see where they fell, where the bodies were, where the shoes are. Because oh. there were bones there, but oh. they would have been eaten by fish by now and disintegrated and okay. and gone. You know, oh. uh, e- even if you're buried in moist ground, uh, I think bones disappear quite quickly. Oh right. So, so well, they um, just dug up some people in London who were there from from Roman times, and their bones hmm. were still there. Yeah, I don't think it happens in water. I might, I might be wrong, but I know that oh. because there were about eight hundred people on the boat, weren't there? More. I think more, there were more than that. More than that. Yes. I think there were more than that. Yeah. And and uh, so the bodies would have gone straight to the bottom. Yeah. And I think that's when they. If you see them when they're doing the, the, the they take the sub across the bottom of the, the seabed, and you see all these shoes. Mm. That is actually where the bodies were. And all that remains is the leather from, from the shoe shoes. cleaning cupboard or something. Sorry. I thought they'd actually come from the shoe cleaning cupboard. <laughs> I thought maybe somebody was going no, to polish them. All the eggs. We have a boat here, yeah. just off the coast of Cyprus, a big ferry which uh, sank in 1980. And uh, it's very popular, the 10th most popular dive in the world. It's got cars and lorries and all sorts on. If you go under there, the, there are still boxes of eggs, and you open the cupboard, and there's the cargo, the suntan oh, lotion. Wow. <laughs> well, in fact, they, uh, they think that they found a load of Nazi gold, haven't they? They think they found uh, really? a treasure ship, yeah, somewhere down there. Uh, not not near the Titanic, but somewhere else in the world. It was in the papers the other day. I've vaguely got a memory of it. And they said, oh, sorry, it's my phone. And uh, it's my phone, actually. Just over 1,200 right, no, died. Just, take the call, take the call, I'll wait. Well, it, it's, it's from my friend Hugh, <laughs> who says that 1,200 died. Because he knows... 1,200? He, he has all these facts and figures at his, at his fingertips. Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, there's probably a doctor listening this morning or someone who works in that trade who could explain why the bones aren't there. Yeah, I'll ask Hugh. He, he's bound to know the answer. He's, he, he's, a, he's like an oracle. 
He knows Actually, there's nothing about enough, sheep. Because I could have used you the other day. Bones. We were having a com- conversation about, you know, everybody playing records at their, we- at their funerals now. Oh, yes. You know, this is very popular. Yep. And, yes. and uh, most people who get married have a record. Do they have to pay PRS? I don't know if church is a license for PRS. But if they're playing, I was reading that, I think it's uh, Frank Sinatra and um, I Did It My Way, mm. and Robbie Williams' Angels are, are the most played songs at funerals. Now, if that's the case, they're being played hundreds of times a day in public. Yes. Surely they have to pay PRS. Never thought about mm, it. Never thought well, about it. Well, you see, you need your man with the facts. <laughs> oh, Hugh. I mean, do they have to pay PRS on that? <laughs> You're right, they should do, because if, if you actually go to a hotel, the hotel has got a PRS licence. DJs are supposed to carry PRS licences. Most of them don't. And no. uh, shops are supposed to have them. So you're right. Do you think crematoriums have got... I suppose they might well, look, have. you've got to look at it this way. You've got a church packed full with hundreds of people. You've got a speaker system. Yeah. And there you've got Robbie and Frank Sinatra ready to go. Yeah. Happening all over the country. Um, you know, the figures. Not that I want to start something here. If, if it hasn't no. got PRS and I've planted the seed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Trust you, stirring up. And there's Honestly, probably people I... listening going, wait a minute, it's, it's my nan's funeral today. We were going to have this. Oh, my God, we can't play it. Ah, mass cancellation in funeral songs yeah. after kid from Cyprus opens mouth. Exactly. <laughs> outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. But anyway, sorry. listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we, have to, we have to finish it there, just so I was sort of, you know, getting into it this morning. No problem, it's OK. I'm yeah. off to potter about because I've got another snake, so I have oh. to deal with it. I was speaking to uh, another hairdresser the other day who's also... Uh, who's also from your neck of the woods, and uh, I was telling her about the snake problem. She said, oh, she had the snake problem's terrible. I said, yeah, but with, with the snake come the rats. I said, my friend Nathan, I said, he's, he's got a complete set out there. I said, and the heat. Yeah. Well, we had black rats yesterday, black, Ooh. and I've never seen one in my life, and I have to be honest, Mr Chaz and I, we, we did, he jumped out of our skin, and then a little snake turned up, and I thought, oh, when will this end? I know, it's so, never-ending, isn't it? Anyway, say love it. Don't, don't, don't let me bring you down with my problems. I've got no, enough s- people phoning yeah. about the funeral thing now. <laughs> Seriously, as I say, you've completely ruined our morning, but it doesn't matter. Honestly, the fact we're all terribly depressed is neither here nor there. We love hearing from you, though. But thank you very much. It's super-duper to, uh, to talk with you, and, and hopefully we can rendezvous next week. Excellent. Give our regards to Jean. Thank you. I, I will. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. There he is. Who's Jean? I don't know. <laughs> Thought I was doing two-way family favourites. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes. Uh, see you, Cliff. Thank you. Sergeant Nathan Morley there over in uh, Cyprus this morning for us. So snakes and other things. I don't know, it gets worse, doesn't it? 13 minutes to six is the time you're tuned to LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. <laughs> These are the headlines ahead of a new round of talks. Obama has urged Middle East leaders not to let the chance of a peace deal slip away. London's most high-profile women's prison is difficult to run safely and almost six to ten inmates feel unsafe at some point. And talks are being held today to try and stop those strikes planned for the tubes next week. Thousands of staff will walk out from Monday evening unless the row over job cuts gets sorted. Check on the roads for you this morning. Shay Louise. Nation Hearts and Heritage Walk, raising money for LBC's Help a London Child. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Thursday morning, it's September the 2nd. And uh, front page of the Daily Star this morning, in between Stig uh, being dumped by the BBC. I mean, I have to be honest with you, who cares? Nobody really cares about it, apart from the silly people at the BBC who've wasted £100,000 of your money 
going to court over this. I mean, just ridiculous. Nobody gives a flying forex. Simon Cowell has blasted the BBC over plans to show Strictly Come Dancing at the same time as his hit. Well, to be honest, I mean, there's no contest. No contest at all. Uh, he says that it should be on in the afternoon for all the old folks to watch Strictly Come because most of them are celebrities down on their luck who don't have any work in the diary. And, uh, and most of them you couldn't care less about anyway. You're more interested in the fact that Josie Gibson... I know, it's showbiz, isn't it? And you can't remember already. Uh, she won Big Brother. No, still doesn't ring a bell. OK, give me another clue. Fat, hefty bird. OK. No, still not there. I'll tell you what I've noticed recently. People have started wearing women silly hats. Have you noticed that people are wearing little straw hats? They're selling them in high street stores. Little Ollie Murs started wearing one. I thought to cover up the fact that his hair was receding so far back, he'd have to start doing a comb-over very shortly. But apparently they're all wearing them now. It looks very silly, girls, I have to tell you. And she's wearing one in this picture here. The floral print dress is quite nice. I had no idea you could get an, an entire garden on it. But anyway, so here it is. And uh, anyway, she's done a sex video. Whoa! I thought it would only be about five minutes. But uh, she's done one. And uh, she apparently got very uh, drunk. She says, what can I say? I'm a randy mare. But friends of hers have said that uh, it could upset young fans and damage her blossoming career. Sorry, darling. I don't want to be... What, what career? I do beg your pardon. It's a bit like saying Brian Dowling or McCosey have careers. Or anybody else in there. Or Chantel. Or poor little Preston. Or, and it, they don't have careers. That's why they're in there, love. That's why you went into the Big Brother house. You don't have a career. I'm sorry, you seriously think you're coming out and somebody's going to take you seriously? I don't think so, sweetly. It's, it's a little bit like saying, oh, guess what, I'm going out with Jack Tweed. You know, it's, it's that kind of revelation that you generally keep quite quiet. But, of course, one of the girls in The Hustle, the new little group on the television, and this one is a, is a page three type thing, and uh, she's going out with Jack Tweed, because he always sets his sights pretty low. And uh, the Daily Star talk about Ben Collins, who shot himself in the foot by revealing he's the Stig. The no-mark racer won his court battle to be able to speak about his time on Top Gear. I mean, it's, uh, who on earth, in their right mind, would be remotely interested in, uh, in, in buying that? I mean, you'd have to be desperate, wouldn't you, to want to buy something like that? Vinnie Jones, still portraying himself as a hard man. Unfortunately, not really Vinnie. Still sitting over there in America, saying how difficult it is to break into acting. Well, it would be, um, you know, if, if you weren't an actor, but... If, if, if you're not an actor, you know, sit there forever on the sidelines. And here she is again, one of Britain's top glamour girls, exposed as a benefit cheat. OK, top glamour girl. OK, who is she? Laurie Buckby. No, me neither. No idea who Laurie Buckby is. Did the coffee machine break? Um, look, Laurie Buckby, did she ring a bell to you? No. no. She's, um, they say she works... On sleazy TV channel Babe Station. This is Rich from the Daily Star, owned by Richard Desmond, who's had more sleaze through his lifetime than anything. How can they say that Babe Station is sleazy? I don't even know what it is, actually. I'm just, they're saying it's sleazy. I don't know. Is it one of these red, hot and saucy things? I think LBC on Sky. LB, well, I'm only asking. She might know this kind of thing. But uh, it's only because at one time, LBC changed its channel on Sky and we became red, hot lesbian, I think, at one point. Came as a quite nasty shock to my auntie Enid. But anyway, um, uh, Neil says, go for it, Amanda, in conversation with Sir Cliff. <laughs> that could be, a, could be a winner. Don't snakes eat rats, Steve. They do, but there's, there's so many of them. Don't mention it in front of her. She goes ballistic when you mention rats. I mean, she, it really drives her mad. You know, some people, you talk about spiders. 
And uh, with her, it's rats. It's, it's, a, it's a complete phobia. She, oh, don't even talk about it. I said to her, I said, we've got a little mouse box in the studio. It's, I mean, it's in the... Where this mouse gets in, if there's a mouse in it, but I'm, I'm assuming... You know, by the very nature of the fact that this is a very, very big building and there's lots of false floors and false ceilings. There's going to have to be mice here, aren't there? I mean, there's, are there not? Of course there are. Yeah, behind the walls or anything like that. We used to have a house years ago. You could hear them in the walls. You could hear them scrabbling up and down. <laughs> Sorry to do it to you. Sorry. Uh, David says, uh, I can't sleep, so I've got LBC on. First day back at school today, so parents maybe go to bed at 7.30, even though I'm 15. I think that's far too late to go to bed at 15, 7.30. should be in bed at 6 o'clock. First day back at school on a Thursday. Yours must be the stupidest school under the sun. Going back to school on a Thursday, what, for two days? Most people are going back on Monday. Is, is yours one of those approved schools? Uh, Lee says, 1,526 people died on the Titanic. I know, there were loads who survived. One man who was so drunk he stepped into the ocean and just, wa- and just swam away from it. Because they had to get away fairly quickly, didn't they? But it was icy cold water, but he was so drunk... The uh, icy water never had any effect on him at all. So I'm trying to work out who Laurie Buckby is. She made uh, claims. She's a 25-year-old blonde. Well, she's blonde today. Uh, she claimed she was a full-time carer, but uh, she wasn't. She was earning 4000 a month stripping on the television. Oh, it's one of those type of channels. And uh, she sold Southwestern Magistrates Court that the, um, her stepmum had filled in the forms for her to sign. And uh, she says, I'm very, very sorry. She claimed £2,406. Doesn't seem a huge amount of money, but uh, to be honest with you, there's loads of these bent crooks out there, and she's apparently a top glamour girl. <laughs> for, for top glamour girl, I suppose you have to read now somebody who actually can't do anything else. So many of them seem to go into the Big Brother house. They're either doing porn or stripping, or they've made a film, or they think that's a career as a glamour girl, uh, or failing that as somebody who's just very, very stupid. But unfortunately, we've already had the very stupid ones. Now we seem to have got them back in again, and Chantelle on the front of just one of the papers today with her step father saying it ruined my Chantel. Well, what do you let her go back in there for? I mean, how stupid do you have to be? Answer, obviously very stupid. Kerry Katona is coming up to the age of 30. Good grief, there's me thinking she was about 95. But uh, apparently, uh, she's getting in tip-top shape for a 30th. Expect the dreary photos to appear in OK magazine any time soon. Uh, here on the front page of all the papers this morning is uh, Tony Blair, who's been overshadowed a little bit by the Foreign Secretary denying gay smears. Well, see, you'd think in the year 2010 we could have moved on a little bit, wouldn't you, from things like this. But uh, here's William Hague uh, with his wife having to deny everything and having to say, this is just ridiculous, you know, they're uh, utterly false and deeply upsetting rumours. would have been easier. I mean, he issued a full statement, which you heard on LBC earlier on. would have been easier, as I said at the beginning of the programme, for Mary Poppins to say, I never explain anything. Simple as that. Um, we'll talk to Roger Foss later. Uh, Rose Oakley, who comes from Stanford Lee Hope in Essex. Always sounds terribly posh, doesn't it? But uh, Rose is there and says, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Well, that's from uh, Steve as well. Uh, Nick Ferrari, after news at seven this morning. Stephen Brooke is going to be looking at the papers, talking about Tony Blair's memoirs. Nick will be asking whether your feelings have changed towards the former Prime Minister. Uh, plus, after William Hague revealed his wife has suffered multiple miscarriages, Nick will be asking how couples can recover from such trauma. Uh, they're also going to be talking to uh, The Road, which is but not talking to The Road, talking to a man who uh, he has a business, uh, City News on Richmond Way, where The Road's been dug up 22 times in two years. Must be Richmond Borough Council, mustn't it? 
What a bunch of buffoons they are down there. Uh, plus, uh, Phil Hammond sampling a Boris bike. A lot of people are cycling now, aren't they? I'm not one of them, I have to, to tell you. I'd quite like to. I nearly bought a bike the other day. I did. I thought about it. I keep thinking about going to buy a bike. I keep thinking, would I actually use it? Would I cycle into... Ca- I'm so worried about other cars on the road. Loonies out there. Uh, Mark's got a friend who celebrates a birthday today called Hymer. And uh, she lives in Tooting. Should you be passing, she'll do you a, she'll do you a curry. I'm never going to be passing tooting, am I? For goodness sake, it's like saying, when you're passing the moon next time, you know, why don't you sort of pop in? Uh, Peter Goodman, morning, Peter. He says, is it possible to become your squash correspondent? No. OK, there we go, we sold that one. You see, it's so nice when you can sort things out, you know. Straight... Morning, team. Not to be company. Thursday morning in London town. <sighs> of exercise. I like to do a bit of exercise during the news, so I sort of jog a bit outside and then jog up and down. I don't, don't do any of this at all. I drink a cup of coffee and <laughs> it brings me back to life again. Because that's, that's what you need first thing in the morning. Although, Jonathan Levi told us yesterday, he thinks he's an addict, a coffee addict, on two cups a day. I know people who probably, well, there's probably people listening who would go, two cups a day, are you mad? Two cups a day, good grief. I do 15 cups a day. Because I said, I do probably three or four cups of coffee in the morning and then cup of tea, uh, another cup of coffee later. And he said, well, you're an addict. And I went home and I quite worried about it. I thought, I'm an addict. I'm a coffee addict. And I, d- I do alternate. I don't keep coffee at home. I only keep tea at home. And it's only Earl Grey. And don't I? Some people can't bear it. Some people like a real good cup of, a good cup of tea. Because you do need it first thing in the morning. I've never understood people that, uh, that don't actually have the ability to get through the day without the cup of coffee. I need it. I need that as my little my little booster in the morning, I'm afraid, which is dreadful, really. Um, Father Paul Rees sent me in a thing saying, sorry to be an anorak. <laughs> I think actually a priest can't really be an anorak, but I suppose you must have one somewhere. But in answer to Nathan's question, both churches and crematoriums do have PRS copyright licences. It's one of the reasons we have to play original, not burnt CDs. Mind you, offering the service can be a hostage to fortune. The other day I heard great balls of fire at the funeral in front of me at the crematorium. Great balls of fire. <laughs> I think that's quite funny, actually. Although somebody has a, I mean, I, d- I thought about that the other day. I tell you what, I, I had this straight... It's funny, isn't it? You see, you've started me off on this, this fixation I've got. I looked at this lovely house the other day and I thought, if I won 82 million on the lottery... This is a fantasy which has gone on for so many years now, it's almost tedious and boring. But I, I, I love doing it because it, it just amuses me. And I've seen this lovely house, which is down the road, and it comes... It's all been renovated and done by Octagon. It's really beautiful. I mean, it's way too big for one person, but you just move other people in. And it comes with its own chapel. And I quite fancied the idea of my own chapel. You'd have to have all the glass replaced and you'd have all this lovely stained glass windows. Because I'm not, I'm not big into the modern places. I never liked the church in Liverpool because it, it, wasn't, it, it, it wasn't traditional. I like traditional churches. And, uh, and this one's all, all modern, so I only like all the traditional stuff. I love the, the flooring and the smell of the pews and the, uh, and the little things you sit on and the... Um, the hassocks, aren't they? The cassock you wear, the surplus over the top. I used to love things like that. The smell of mothballs. Can't beat it first thing in the morning. And I passed an old lady yesterday. And I say an old lady because as she wandered past me, 
her 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 perfume lingered behind, and it was it was quite nice actually. I felt like saying to her, "That's a really nice smell," but she probably thought I'm mad as a mad as a brush. I'm afraid. Uh, we talked to Roger Foss. All things being equal, in about uh, four or five minutes' time, and um, behind every great man, apparently, there is a great woman, but it's more likely to be his pushy mother. They say that mums push people nowadays to uh, to get things done. And they say that, because I've heard of this before, but I always thought it was, it was, it was either wives or girlfriends. But no, it's, it's mums now. And I suppose in Chantelle's case, it would have to be that, because you can't believe the poor girl can actually make a decision by herself. So uh, her mum uh, is behind. In fact, her, her mum, was, was it, um, who's that peculiar one? Nikki in the Big Brother house, another peculiar person, who's sort of, you know, oh, cry, spends most of the time crying. I don't know how she gets through life, to be honest with you. I mean, the woman's an embarrassment to everybody, including herself. And um, and her, her mother said that she would have a baby for her. I told you yesterday, uh, because she said my daughter was anorexic. And, the, and I'm thinking, all these flawed people out there, is nobody normal anymore? I mean, we even discovered it on the Cliff Richard so-called fan club page. There's quite a few peculiar people writing on there, discussing the Christian slant to whether or not Cliff can actually be going topless or not. I mean, to be honest with you, it's so ridiculous as to be a bit embarrassing, I'm afraid. I mean, who cares whether he's gone topless or whether he dyes his chest hair and whether he waxes or does anything else or has Botox or all that other stuff. Um, Simon Cowell has called the Beebe childish and pathetic. I mean, and also, somebody complained about his insult to Anastasia. On Saturday, remember Anastasia came on and she starts singing and he says, oh, you sound like uh, a Tina Turner tribute band. And she goes, mm. no, she doesn't do that because she's been on the show before and she knows how they play the game. And then he goes, we've got another song. And she goes, yeah, and luckily they had the music for it standing by on the CD. So that was lucky, wasn't it? I always think, you know, there's so many coincidences on this programme. It's just fantastic. Hello, we're Jedward. And, um, and so she starts singing. It's great. But anyway, he'd said before, listening to her singing Proud Mary, he said it's like one of these terrible Tina Turner tribute acts. I've seen trannies do better version. OK, 21 trannies write in and complain. <laughs> they write in and complain and said it was offensive. Really? What's offensive about that? I've heard trannies do better versions. What's offensive about that? I'm sorry, that's actually a compliment, I would have thought, unless you're particularly stupid. Mind you, maybe trannies are a bit stupid. I saw Come Dine With Me the other day. There's a new one coming up. <gasps> Ten minute yesterday, have you seen the, the tranny? Oh, God, it's a, it's a bloke with a wig on, I'm afraid. It's another, it's just a bit worrying. Probably doesn't sing Proud Mary either, but... There's a celebrity come dine with me coming up shortly. Now, I think it's got on it. I know it has. Lembit Opic, otherwise known as, oh, darling, what do you do now? Nobody to go out with. Your comedy act failed miserably. Voted out as an MP. No, nothing at all. Anyway, not even remotely interesting. And, and it's got, it looks like some page three kind of thing on there because it looked a bit overmade up. I don't know who it was. And it looked like Paul Daniel's wife. It lo- but she appeared to have... Well, it looked like Debbie McGee, but it looked like she'd got tattoos up her arm. And I don't remember <laughs> Debbie McGee. Exactly. I do not remember Debbie McGee having tattoos, unless somebody's going to tell me. It, but it looks like Debbie McGee, unless she's wearing a dress that's got, that's got sort of tattoos on it. It, ju- it did look a little bit strange, actually. A little bit strange. Uh, more than 90%, I must tell you very quickly, of the BBC Union staff have voted to strike, putting TV coverage of the Pope's UK visit under threat. 
Is everybody going on strike recently? The two people are going on strike, and now the BBC Union staff have voted to go on strike, so that means that you might not get to see the Pope's visit. Whatever. Quarter past six. News headlines, Peter Ferris. Steve Thurman. Your say, this morning from 10, LBC 97.3. Morning. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday morning. Brian Reid says today, the five big questions of the week. Have I been reading the phrase uh, Victoria Beckham 35 for about four years now? Uh, Aid Edmondson announcing he's quitting comedy. He says, can you do something... Uh, he hasn't done for 25 years and provide a good punchline to that sentence. And how long before an England footballer's chat-up line to a wannabe wag is, fancy coming back to my mansion for a look at my super injunction? You see, that's a fairly good one, isn't it? And, uh, and another one which I can't mention. Oh, and by the way, if, if, uh, if you're worried about when life begins, and people say life begins at 40, and then they said life begins at 50, or 60, or 70, now they're saying it's 35. So, in fact, if you're 36, it's finished. OK? Just thought I'd remind you that now. If you're 40, forget it. It happened four years ago and five years ago, and you, you weren't there to enjoy it. However, for Roger Foss, every day is an adventure, because he's recently been is. to the Outback, haven't you? I've been to the Outback, yes. Life began for me <laughs> this week. The autumn season has started in Theatreland, and I went to the Outback, although not quite the Outback, uh, on, to the furthest uh, ends of the district line, the Hornchurch, to see a play about ladies who go down under. Mm. And uh, it's, uh, it's a fun play, a fun play to start the autumn season off at Hornchurch about <laughs> four ladies who... Are, actually, it's a sequel to a play that was on a, a, a little while ago at Hornchurch called Ladies' Day, about these four women of a certain age from the uh, fish-packing factory in Hull who have a big win at Ascot and earn a for, uh, win a fortune. So uh, this follows that up. It's a, it's a sequel, and it shows what happens when they decide to go on the trip of a lifetime and go to Australia and spend all their money and live the dream down under. And uh, so it's their adventures, really. And, uh, you see four women camping out in the bush, and then they go camping it up in uh, Sydney at the Mardi Gras with the drag queens. And uh, you follow their... Their, their adventures. And uh, actually, I thought it was quite interesting because you've got these four women who really go abroad to discover themselves. And it's a bit like, really, Shirley Valentine, isn't it? A bit yes. like Mamma Mia and a bit yes. like Calendar Girls. Um, so, and I, I really enjoyed it and it was a good laugh, but I did think, well, blimey, don't us blokes have any plays where we can all get together and discover ourselves, but we don't, do we? The women have all the good plays. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, it's true, they do, actually. And I've, I've spoken to loads of actresses, though, over the years, and the one thing that women have said to me constantly is, there's so many, you know, shows out there which aren't suitable for us. When you get to a certain age as an actress, there's nothing for you. Oh, yeah, that's true. There is, there is that point, especially, yes, the older actor, uh, old, older, well, older actress, uh, they're, they're always complaining, aren't they, and saying yeah. that, well, though I kind of wonder about that sometimes, because uh, in Shakespeare there are, I suppose, but nevertheless, they do complain. But in this, they're, they're not really of that kind of age. They're sort of, well, there's a young one who's uh, into designer labels and spends all their money on, on expensive uh, luggage and all that stuff. And then there's a, a, a quiet one, a bit mouthy, who gives all her winnings away to uh, people who come up and say, oh, can you give us a few quid? And, and, and another one who's uh, got, secretly, got breast cancer. So there's a bit of drama here as well. So they're all 
really good roles for actresses. Mm. And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's one of the, the good things to enjoy in this. But as mm. I say, why don't we have a play about blokes? And then I thought, well, actually, there is one, isn't there? The Full Monty. That's about guys yes. finding themselves. But that's about it, though. You are right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I mean, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, I suppose, is sort of blokes. Well, it is all about blokes, isn't it? Although it's about drag queens. Yeah. It certainly is. But uh, anyway, so we had a good time at Hornchurch, and, uh, and it's great, as usual, a great atmosphere yeah. down there. And uh, nice. I did notice that uh, coming up, they've got three productions, and, and they've got this special offer where you call can jump the queue and get three shows for £13 each, which wow. means you save something like 40% on ticket prices. Very good. You so should you always support see... local theatre, always. Well, I think so, too. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they've got a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum coming up and a Victorian melodrama all before Christmas. So, um, and that's £13 a time. That's not bad going, is it? No, it's not bad. Time. Very good, very good. Good luck to them for that. Also, New Wimbledon Theatre, their 100th birthday show on the 26th of September. Oh, yes, at the other end of the district line, of course. <laughs> the other end. <laughs> Another theatre. I always like going out to Wimbledon and going to the Wimbledon Theatre because you walk along Wimbledon Broadway and there you see it, don't you? That great kind of big globe thing at the top with the statue oh, on top. I know like it so eight. well. And, uh, and, and so it's their 100th birthday, and on the 26th they're having a variety gala, and uh, lots of star names, Barry Cryer, Alistair McGowan, uh, Joe Pasquale, oh. Paul Zerdin, oh. Ross Flatley, oh, <laughs> and Anita Harris, oh. uh, and, and they've just announced that Catherine Tate's going to oh. be on the bill, but she's coming along as... Uh, as Nan Taylor, you know, that foul-mouthed Cockney <laughs> old girl. <laughs> and uh, oh. so that should be a laugh. But what I did notice, actually, is that on the bill is Ron Moody. And uh, he's going to be doing, obviously, he's going to be doing something from Oliver. He'll is be it? Doing, Why? Doing the situation, is I he guess. anything to do with Oliver? Have some involvement Ron with the Moody? show? Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is that uh, Oliver actually opened at Wimbledon Theatre in 1960, it, before it came into the West End. Oh. So there's a connection there between oh. uh, Ron... No doubt he appeared in other things at Wimbledon Theatre, but yeah. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah. And lots of things premiered at the Wimbledon Theatre. Paul Zerdin is doing End. Panto at um, Richmond, I think, this year. Oh, is he? I'm pretty oh, certain, unless it's yeah. an old poster I've seen, but I'm pretty certain he's doing Panto there. Ventricly! We love I don't Paul know who's doing Panto at, uh, at Wimbledon, though, because they, they're doing Peter Pan, but it doesn't actually say who's starring in it. Oh, perhaps it's, perhaps it's one of these non... Because, to be honest with you, it's, I don't, I'm sure they must do it somewhere, but I'd love to find out whether or not paying big names actually fills up the box office, or is it just taking the kids to see a pantomime? Well, absolutely. Because the they, Richmond Theatre, kind of... the pantomime sells out really quickly, sometimes without people even knowing who's in it. So it, it proves yeah. to me that you don't actually need big-name stars. It's the fact that Richmond Theatre pantomime, you know, is going to be a good production. It doesn't matter who's in it, I suppose. Yeah, I'm sure that's right, actually. They've had Pamela Anderson. But, uh, well, that's just ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry, I think that's ludicrous. I've never been so stupid in my life. A woman flies over from America to take money that should go to British artists. And who is she? Some big busted thing who appeared in Baywatch some got about 300 years ago. Who cares? Know, and the, and the, the ridiculous thing about this is that you get, you get names like that and it mm. cuts loads of publicity. But, of course, the kids who go along and see these shows they don't know haven't who she got is. a clue who no. the, some of these people are. Pamela, like who, when, who is she? 
Oh, goodness, Jeannie, can you do... Th- oh, for God's sake, Pamela, that's why you've not worked on television, love. You can't act. You can run up <laughs> and down a beach and hold a little surfboard behind you, but you can't act. I'm sorry, it takes away work from people in this country. I don't like it. Well, I know. I think I think it's wasted money, but yeah. uh, maybe they've worked it out. But I just don't... I agree with you, actually. Uh, and sometimes it's, it reaches... Mickey Rooney, for example, yes. came over, didn't well, he? See the, well, see, now, strangely enough, Mickey Rooney is, is a big Hollywood legend. Again, the kids won't know who he is, but he has the ability to be able to sort of, because he's not tall, to play down to the kids' level. But he is, for most of us in the business, about the biggest star you could possibly get. I know he's got a reputation, which people, oh, you don't want to yeah. work with Mickey Rooney, is a nightmare. But he's still a big, big star, and he was a huge Hollywood star. Pamela Anderson... Some old thing that trotted up and down on a beach wearing a... Re- Who cares? You might as well start dragging out, you know, ex-page... Why don't we put Chantel from Big Brother, you know, fairy princess in pantomime, or Nicky or Brian Dowling, or any of these other stupid people. It's just, it's just ridiculous. It cheapens theatre, I'm afraid. Well, it gets worse in, uh, in smaller productions around the country where mm. you get uh, names above the title... From uh, uh, people who have appeared in Emmerdale or in uh, in EastEnders, but probably about twenty five years ago. Well, well that that uh, is so... the problem. <laughs> you watch soon; it'll be Steve Allen as Cinderella. Is... <laughs> but well, I, I, when I saw Mickey Rooney, it wasn't the kids who didn't know who he was; it was the parents no. who didn't know who he was. <laughs> you see, it's obviously just me and you who know who he is. But uh, also, well, um, you're off tonight, I know, to go and see Chris Dugdale. Oh, yes, yes. Bit of magic here at the Riverside. Chris Dugdale. Love a bit of magic. Who I, I watch with interest, actually. He's a bit like Darren Brown, isn't it, really? Mm. And, uh, Mark Salem's another one, the American guy who comes over here fairly frequently. These, these guys take magic to a different level, I think. They yeah. turn it into a theatrical event. And although, let's face it, it's all really an elaborate con trick. It really is intriguing. And well, I, I always I, think it's, it's quite nice to watch a, a three-minute trick dragged out for 15. <laughs> well, I know. That's I know, the but art. The thing about this is that you, you, you always kind of try and rewind afterwards, don't yeah. you? Everyone's going out yeah. sort of rewinding and thinking, now, how on earth did he do that? Uh, so it does, it does kind of get you going. And I think, especially at the Riverside, where Chris Dugdale is, because it's, it's quite small, actually, the studio there. It's not a huge theatre, so... You are, are very close up. You're yeah. very close up. When he does all that close up stuff, it really is quite fantastic. I love all that. And I, I did see as well that he's got this uh, magic set that's just coming out, a magic box set, which uh, I, I believe they're going to send you one, actually. Oh, I love a magic set. Can't yeah, beat a magic set. Listen, lovely for that. I've got to leave it there, though. All right, Steve. Shall we talk to you next see week? See you next week. All right. OK. Excellent. Thank you for that, Roger. There you go. So Chris Dugdale is down at uh, Hammersmith. Must be uh, Riverside Studios down there. Oh, magic set as well. I'm going to a big magic convention, actually, in, uh, in Las Vegas lately. With BT Vision, this season, football has a brand new player. 25 minutes to uh, 7. There's a picture in the paper today of Gino De Campo, naked. And uh, he's not... When I say he's naked, it's one of these things. I think it's, uh, it's advertising, testicular cancer. When I say advertising, I mean drawing attention to. I don't think he really advertised testicular... You know, come this way. Get your testicular cancer down here. Special bargain offer today. Two for the price of one. Or maybe three, if you're very unlucky. OK, so... But he's, he's pictured half-naked, lying on a rug kind of thing. And he's got his arms above his head. Now, the funny thing is with Gino De Campo, it's not really funny. He's got hair underneath his arms, all the way up his arms. He has got more hair on the underneath of his arms than on top of it. 
There used to be a guy on the television years ago called Richard Keyes who had the hairiest hands. We used to shout, whoa, werewolf, at the television every time I used to come on. In fact, even in the studio we used to shout werewolf. But Gino DeCampo has got hair all the way up the underneath of his arms. All, it's just, it looks like he's wearing a rug. It's really most peculiar. Talking of most peculiar, Richard and Judy appear to be back in a couple of the papers today. They've had 12 months away from our screens, but TV favourites, Richard and Judy... I'm sorry, they weren't TV favourites. Can we just establish this this non-entity by Rachel Corcoran, or Corcoran, that uh, that was the reason they were dropped in the end. There were more people working on the programme than watching it. They, you know, they might have been a long time ago when there was nobody else doing it. They've been away for 12 months, and now they reveal, we wish they hadn't, why escaping the pressure of live telly has made it one of their best yet. What are they droning on about, then? You know, nobody's remotely interested. It's finished now. I would be happy never to do live TV ever again. In other words, I'm desperate for some work. Can somebody give me some work somewhere? And uh, so they've sort of, you know, Judy's happy to sit at home, says Richard, because he speaks for her, like she can't speak or something. And uh, they've actually hung up their co-presenting coats and they said they've never looked more relaxed. Well, Well, to be honest, they were dropped because the programme just failed to get the audience. It was costing us more for... Apparently, they say here that they, they were being paid a million pounds each a year. I mean, just ludicrous sums of money on television. Just ludicrous. It's like Anne Robinson presents The Weakest Link with an audience that's so tiny, you know, I mean, it, it just drops off. And so now somebody fine at the BBC might be kicking some rear end and going, listen, if you're not producing the figures, why are we paying this this kind of money? You're not the big clever person. If you're pulling the figures, I can understand. If you're not pulling the figures, who cares? Richard in Wapping says, I think Cliff Richard singing The Shrine on the second floor from Expresso Bongo would be a great choice. Do you know, I cannot remember Expresso Bongo. Out of all of them, it's one of the very few that I can't remember. Uh, 84850... And uh, Tony the Cabbie says, I'm still half asleep with working. I'm chuckling away to your super bitching. Good. Anne says, the school I work in is even more stupid. Our children come in tomorrow. Maddie's seen all the mice at Covent Garden underground. Everywhere. 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 Uh, Jackie and Hersham says, with inspiration from you, I've stopped drinking and eating junk food. I've lost a stone in weight and two inches from my waist. Take note. Here's to losing the other three stone. Take note. See, she stopped drinking and eating junk food. She doesn't take she doesn't take it in at all, honestly. She's sitting there now. Food. Small sorry? I don't eat junk food. You do, it's all the junk food I give you. Because I always I always give her sort of fruit, but I've always filled it. I've in, I've injected it with stuff as well. Uh, she's gonna podcast and listen in the car, which is I uh, what I like. Uh, Tony says they're doing a come dine with me with old Big Brother winners next Monday. Trouble is with Big Brother, they are all old, aren't they? And uh, the official name for people interested in Titanic is Titanorak, says Andre. Well, listen, I know more about Titanic than you could shake a stick at. I've got everything. I've got everything. Uh, Maxine says, talking of funeral music, uh, I'm having Going Underground by The Jam. Shame you won't be there to enjoy it. I think we should be ready to, to rehearse our funerals beforehand so you can see who has, who's actually going to turn up and what they're going to say about you. One here says our tr- twin grandsons are off to uh, Camp Bastion in Afghanistan. And that's good luck from Steve, Dean and Daniel Penn. No, they listen. Says Grandma and Grandpa. So Steve, Dean and Daniel Penn. There you go. Good luck over there. At least you'll be safe from all the rubbish in the papers that we've got at the moment. I mean, Richard and Judy, for goodness sake, why are they back? Because they're going on to this morning. Because they go, their TV's golden couple. 
Well, admittedly, they did actually come to light. And then the laugh of the day in the Daily Mirror. It's funny how things go, isn't it? Writes Colleen Nolan in her column. As I write this column, I really feel like I'm on top of the world. Less than a decade ago, that'll be ten years in normal terms, I was about as low as it was possible to go. You know, and then, she says, things changed. Exactly. You did a rather weak uh, tour with those other sisters of yours, which was feeble, to say the least. Uh, you brought out a fitness video, which, of course, we all laughed at. You turned up on Loose Women, and, frankly, I wish they'd ditch you from it. But, luckily, she's only going to be doing two days on Loose Women. I thought the programme had finished. I had no idea it was uh, it was still back again. And now she's going to get a slot on this morning. She says, I'll be working with the gorgeous Philip Schofield. Ugh, tacky. There's something awful about Colleen Nolan that makes my flesh creep, I'm afraid. This was the woman who, you remember, when her ton- son turned... Was it 18? Was going to send him to a prostitute in... Uh, and then discussed it on television. Oh, is there nothing this tacky woman will not discuss? Got no idea. I'm, I'm sure there must be other things. I did buy, um, the other day, I bought Nicholas Parsons' book, which is called uh, My Life in Comedy. Now, strangely enough, I don't know how much of, uh, of this is his old book, because I read a Nicholas Parsons autobiography years ago where he talked about his, uh, his life in comedy, and he's actually done loads more... Uh, for those people who just think he did Sailor of the Century, he was big long, 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 long time before that. Um, he's famous for his uh, panel shows. He's famous, I suppose, for Rocky Horror Show, where he played the narrator. He does say, so I, I don't actually sing. He said, I sort of more talk the time warp, which is probably the safest way to do it. Because I think it's coming back, Rocky Horror. I should have, I should have asked uh, Roger Foss. I think it's coming back and they've got various people who are guest presenting. I thought, actually, the Rocky Horror Show had sort of plumbed some new depths when they put Ainsley Harriet on as the narrator. I didn't think, actually, things could really get much worse than that. Uh, until you look at poor Prince Harry... Uh, his pony's bleeding, he's playing polo. And unfortunately, that's why they get through a lot of ponies, because they, they kick and they, they use their spurs and stuff like that. And um, it's only a little bit of blood, to be honest with you. I didn't think it was as bad as they're trying to make out. I'm more worried about poor William Hague, who makes the front of every paper. This one's not going to go away, is it? This one's going to run. They're going to start digging and digging and digging. Oh, Lord, somebody's dug here. Britain is now condemned as a sex-obsessed, hedonistic wasteland. This is an influential figure in the Roman Catholic Church. Edmund Adamus claimed the institution of family and marriage had been whittled away by 50 years of pro-gay liberal reformers. The aide to Vincent Nicholas, Nichols, who's Archbishop of Westminster, warned against sex outside marriage and the false fruits of cohabitation. This is a bit rich from the Roman Catholic Church, isn't it? Excuse me, how many paedophile priests have we got and abusing priests? I mean, you really can't start banding this stuff around, Mr Adamus. Rather stupid and naive of you. He says it's a wasteland of sex-mad ladettes and gays. And you think the church is any different? I mean, I just... Uh, the rubbish these people come up with. Ben Summerskill, chief executive of Stonewall, said the comments were gratuitously offensive... And Keith Porteous Wood, executive director of the National Secular Society, said this anti-Catholicism of which Adamus complains is shared by most British Catholics. Peter Tatchell, a leading figure behind the Protest the Pope coalition, said the suggestion that gay equality laws make Britain a moral wasteland is insulting but not unexpected. I was going to say, are you saying that in Vatican City there's no gays? Must be chock-a-block with them, I should imagine. Absolutely chock-a-block by the law of averages. Most of them seem to be working within the church, regardless of whether it's Roman Catholic or the, uh, or the other side. Do you know, how many years, go on, off the top of your head, since Freddie Mercury died? How many years since Freddie Mercury? I can remember it as if it was, 
Wasn't it was a couple of years ago. How many years since Freddie Mercury died? Nineteen years ago. Kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it, when you start working out how many years ago something happened. But uh, he's going to be um, taking part in, strangely enough, a a brief reappearance of sorts on Friday as the first Freddy for a Day takes place. The performer who died uh, at the age of 45 will be honoured in a fundraiser where fans pick their favourite Freddy outfit and wear it to work. It's being supported by Freddy's costume designer, Diana Mosley, and will raise money for the Mercury Phoenix Trust. 19 years. Oh! Doesn't I remember when the papers picked on him because they said, oh, look, here he is looking all gaunt and all the rest of it. And I thought it was just... It's, the, the papers have this thing, don't they, where they just love to kick somebody when they're down. So at the moment, I'm afraid, it's, uh, it's William Hague. Before that, it was Freddie Mercury. They just like to sort of pick on people. They just they sort of do it on a, on a regular basis. And especially when somebody's uh, fairly ill. It's at the, the moment, I'm always interested in how much money there is in sport. So when you see people like Tiger Woods in the paper today, he's taken out a mortgage for the building of a mega mansion. Well, there's only him, unless he's going to move all the old, <laughs> the old things that he's been with in there. But this luxury home, which is going to cost £36 million. Now, you might be thinking, £36 million, so that's what, probably about $50 million? That's not a lot. I was going through it. If you really want to amuse yourself today, go to Knight Frank on Google... And um, go to America and look at how much plots of land cost in America. Uh, how much apartments? There are apartments for a hundred million dollars. Apartments in America for. I mean, how big's your mortgage? I mean, how many years do you have to work to afford something like that? A hundred million. So when you see Tiger Woods borrowing thirty-six million for his bachelor pad, it's going to have apparently a tennis court, an oxygen therapy room. An oxygen... I don't know what that is. A lot cheaper to go and buy a can of oxygen, just go, like that. Save yourself a small fortune. Plus, it's going to have several swimming pools and a fitness centre. I bet it is, mate. Get my drift. Fitness centre, Tiger Woods. Way! Go on, you go for it, mate. You go for it. I love things like that. Is it only in America would they sort of make a big a big deal about £36 million? Pounds? Oh, and in a moment, in a moment, sorry, the morning fry-up is under threat as one in three people skip breakfast... Unfortunately, not Christo. You said like- Ferrari and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to uh, 7. Brian, thank you very much indeed. He sent me in the UK Rail Tours uh, brochure, Autumn and Christmas Tour Guide, including one to Southampton Docks. Of course, is where uh, Titanic sailed from. And uh, some really nice rail... Quite, the more I talk about these steam journeys, Brian, the more, it, more exciting. I'm not a train spotter, but I like going on trains... It's, I mean, I've only been on a few in my life. No, I don't have a book with numbers written in there. B752 came out of the sidings in Stirlingshire and moved down here and was painted again by Berry Brothers. And so, no, I don't have any of that car. I don't know anything like that about trains. I just like sitting on them, because I'm a bit... Uh, the Titfield Thunderbolt was one of my favourite uh, films. And here, you can do the Cock of the North as well. So there's all sorts of stuff that you could do. It's really nice. Thank you for that brochure. Which is great. Uh, Ellen says, yes, there are some very strange people commenting on Cliff's topless pictures on his calendar. She said, it started with one who heard your comments on the Sunday and Monday shows. You questioned whether it was right, given his age. Everybody said that's a bit odd, don't you think so? 71-year-old taking their top off. I mean, for what's, you know... Well, Cliff's 70. He's going to be 71 next year when the calendar comes out. The calendar's out, but it's, you know, it's, it's the 2011 calendar. But don't you think there's something a bit odd about a man who is celibate... 
taking his shirt off. I mean, you know, I can't help feeling it's a bit tacky, to say the least. I mean, you just don't... Unless you're selling a sex image. What, what is he saying? Come on, girls, come and get me. I don't think so. And, um, and so, um, I mean, you know, and in his, in his swimming shorts... There's something a bit tacky about it. You just don't think... Apparently, swimming shorts cost £135. But you can get loads of pairs. Have you got some of the same shorts? Yeah, but we don't want to see you topless either, do we, Krista? I mean, it's... You know, it's a nice... You know, Krista, of course, will be available in Mykonos very shortly. When I say available, I mean available in Mykonos. £135 for a pair of swimming shorts. Why can't you just wear like I do? I've got, um... I've... I've got some Speedos, and and they're quite nice. I'm, I tell you what, no, they're not red, they're, they're blue and red. And I look a bit like Tom Daly when I put them on. A little bit Tom Daly. You know, the the, the diver. Yeah, Arthur Daly, says Chris. It's not very nice, is it? Also quite quick for you at this time of the morning. If only it's funny earlier. <laughs> uh, so Ellen always says, let me just go back to Ellen very briefly. She says, you questioned whether it was right given his age. I agreed with you. No, everybody says it was odd. Even all the critics today are saying it's a little bit peculiar. A 71-year-old taking his shirt off for a calendar. Oh, dear. She says, now you say the photo was fine. No, I've still said exactly the same. I agree with your early view. P.S. It may be a touch serious to question the wisdom of that picture if you also complain that you're not acknowledged as a serious artist. Serious artists might keep their tops on at 70 at least in public. Of course he can go topless any time, but then people like you will say, what, what do you mean people like me? You're quite clearly a bit clouded, aren't you, Ellen, I think, really. Do you like looking at p- topless pictures of Cliff Richard, do you? you like thinking, oh. You know, because that's what worries me. Otherwise, you know, why would he take it off? Is it to sort of keep people like you going for another year or something? I mean, otherwise, you know, half the LBC pictures would be topless. Some of the comments on there are for some very, very odd people. Very odd people. Anyway, the Great British Breakfast is vanishing. Because hardly any of us have any time to eat it. Have you noticed? Everybody now eats on the move. You know, people sit at the desk and they do this. and So gone are the days of having an hour for lunch. Except if you see the street cleaners in Twickenham, in which case they take their hour, although they've actually stopped a bit before that because they just leave. The one thing that the street cleaners have started doing in Twickenham, they just leave their barrows wherever they feel like it. Anybody could fall over them. I'm waiting for some cases of people to fall over this equipment and then sue the council. It might actually jog them a little bit into the fact that what they need to do to keep it fresh in Twickenham is to move the street cleaners around, give them different areas, because some of them just wander about pushing the barrow. They don't actually do anything. You know, a little bit of sweat, picking up one little bit of paper, and that's about it. And we seem to have an absolute army of them. Still seems to be filthy there, but never mind. So anyway, whilst the traditional sit-down fry-up or a plate of sizzling kippers used to be the staple to set you up for the day, now people say they skip breakfast. Who has kippers? Who would eat kippers? Oh, dear. I, can't, I got quite worried about who was that little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet eating her curds and whey. Uh, why don't you just wait till it turns into cheese? Curds and whey. I've seen what curds and whey look like. It's disgusting. It's it's manky and it's it's where they've sort of got the the milk and it's churned up and then it's got all full of water and little Miss Muffet ate that. Small. It it looks a bit like cottage cheese but full of water. It's just disgusting. Horrible. Terrible. Uh, off the menu, fry-ups, fish and porridge. 52% of people eat cereal. I was in the supermarket yesterday and this lady's going, excuse me, can you tell me where the muesli is? And muesli is sort of for people who can't eat a whole coconut mat. They just want to eat part of it. They go, oh, it's muesli, it's good for me. 
Very good. Uh, a lot of people choose chocolate and crisps for breakfast. And I've seen people in Starbucks having those things where they've got the squirty cream on the top. And you think, and these are kids. And you feel like tapping them going, excuse me, listen, you're fat enough as it is. Faye was telling me that she, she works in Marks and Spencer's with Glenys and everybody else. And she's, she's a normal-sized person. And she said a bloke came up to her the other day and, uh, and said, oh, he said, I've, I've just bought an exercise bike to get the weight off. He says, maybe you could do with getting one. And I said... I said, you should, have, you should have hit him. She said, she said I, I was so stunned. I said, well, I'd have said something. I'd gone, listen, fatty, might be all right for you. I'd have said, listen, I've got a... Because me- she has a medical condition. I'd have said, I've got a medical condition. Somebody said to me the other day, I was wearing my, my sunglasses because I've got really sensitive eyes. And he said, oh, do you think you're famous? I said, no, I've got mild glaucoma. And he went, oh, I'm really sorry. I thought, good, feel guilty. Feel guilty. I was quite happy to make somebody feel feel guilty. Can't bear it. People say things like that and they don't even know you. It's quite ridiculous. So, um, for decades, Elvis closest uh, Elvis Presley's closest friend from school has remained silent. But now George Klein has decided to write a book. They're all doing. But have you noticed? Everybody's doing a book now. I've decided to be quiet for years, but I'm going to write a book. I'm surprised we haven't had a Richard and Judy book, actually. The trials and tribulations of working on live television, because apparently it's very stressful. Live television. I did live television. I don't think it's stressful. They're, they're paying you a whole heap of money. What's stressful about that? I'm sure people would have bent over backwards to earn a million pounds a year. Which is ridiculous. It's not stressful, is it? It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, shoppers buying polo mints at a discount store in York might expect them to have come from the factory up the road. But no, 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 no. They've come 7,300 miles from Indonesia, from Jakarta. Bizarrely, discount chain Poundworld justify the bizarre import by saying it gives customers uh, better value for money. They come from Southeast Asia because they're available at a cheaper price than the Nestle plant in York that makes them. Isn't that just the stupidest thing you've ever heard? So, in other words, Poundland go to Jakarta to buy... Because a lot of their, their stuff in Poundland is foreign. And a lot of it is, is looky-likeys. You know, you, you recognise, you think, oh, that'll be Gillette... And then you realise it's not Gillette. Oh, that'll be... Oh, it's not. So you've got to be very careful in Poundland. Ever since I discovered that the Nescafe coffee they sell is specially made for them by Nescafe. Because I thought it was just normal coffee, but at that price. But no, they they admitted a couple of weeks ago that Nescafe, because they order so much, make them a special coffee that can retail for a pound a jar. Because you've always got to think, haven't you, if, if they're selling it for that price... What are they paying for it? Well, now I've got the premier Christmas catalogue. I can tell you how much everything costs for Christmas. And then you can work out how much the, uh, the profit is. So I did mention, didn't I, Ben Collins is the Stig, OK? And the other three people on the programme, I have no idea who they are. I'm ever so sorry. Perhaps they'll be unmasked in a book coming out very, very shortly. All of that will be interesting. Today it will rumble on about the Foreign Secretary, Blair who turned to Fergie, as I considered sacking Brown. This is not Sarah Ferguson, because I don't think anybody would ask her anything, unless it's how to manage your money at the age of 50, 100, you know, and, uh, and how to look after yourself and manage to fly around the world on no money at all. It's fantastic. Listen, I'm back again with you tomorrow morning. Don't forget, if you go to the website, you can learn how to podcast. Have a look at all the lovely pictures of gorgeous. No topless pictures. I'm sorry for Ellen. No, we, we decide not to get you too excited about that. But Nick Ferrari with clothes on after the news at seven. First of all, the business up.